0: it's tuesday september 4th 2018 i'm herbie newell and this is the defender podcast a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children this daily podcast is a ministry of lifeline children services and i'm coming to you from birmingham alabama
1: have a great opportunity today that i've been really excited about on on the podcast um to share a, a conversation with a friend with you. And so today joining us uh, is Dr. Trevin Wax. Trevin is uh, is a great friend to me and a great friend to Lifeline and um, somebody that we're excited about introducing to you a little more fully. Let me give you a little bit of his bio just so you can have a background if you're not acquainted with Trevin and his work. Um, Trevin is is Bible and reference publisher for Lifeway Christian Resources, um, where he's also served as the managing editor of the Gospel Project. Um, if you're not familiar with the Gospel Project, it's a, a gospel centered curriculum for all ages in the church, and something that's been a been a great resource and a great gift to to many churches. Um, Trevin writes prolifically, um, and I'm thankful for that. He's the author of a number of books, a couple of which we're going to talk about today. He's also um, written in publications like The Washington Post, Religion News Services, Christianity Today, World Magazine. um, And he has a daily um, blog at the Gospel Coalition called Kingdom People, um, one of my favorite parts of kingdom people, and i 'll throw this little breadcrumb out there is Trevin Seven that comes out um, on every friday um, right. which is um, which is kind of a curation of content coming from from a lot of different sources and One of the things I love about this brother is just um, he has an amazing ability and, and a giftedness from God to to survey the culture and to to really filter that through the gospel and reduce it down to, um, to, to places where the rest of us um, can, can, can feed from, um, from that knowledge. And so I'm incredibly thankful today, Trevin, for you joining us. And, uh, and so thanks for, thanks for being here.
2: Well, thanks for having me on, Rick. Glad to do it.
1: So uh, let's, let's dive right in. I, I want to, um, I'd, I'd love for you to just kind of acquaint yourself a little bit with, with the folks that are listening to our podcast. And, and, and I just, I'm fascinated a little bit by your story and just some of the twists and turns along the way. And so would love to hear just, um, you know, just a quick, a quick thought, quick bio from your own words about, um, you know, who you are and maybe some of those shaping influences in your life.
2: Well, I've, I am back living in Middle Tennessee, which is where I grew up. Um, actually, uh, started out in Middle Tennessee, uh, church-going family. Uh, came to faith at a very young age, uh, really got serious about my faith as a teenager. About that time was also um, getting involved with um, mission trips that our, our church was taking uh, every every year. And the mission trips generally, I mean, we did some different things in inner city, Knoxville and some other places, but mo- the trips I was most involved with were those that were to Romania, uh, which in the, the late 90s was still coming through after its uh, uh, shift away from communism. Uh, at the beginning of the decade, and and so uh, really had a heart and love for for people there. And um, when I was nineteen, I bought a one way ticket, moved there, lived there for um, the the bulk of five years. Uh, met my wife there; we were married there. Had our first son during that five year period, and so um, that was a very formative. Speaking about culture and whatnot, it's a very formative five years of my life because. Um, I I really, I learned, I I kind of cut my teeth in ministry um, at a Christian university there working in village churches over there. And so uh, that was very formative. Came back to the United States, uh, did uh, seminary, uh, was an associate pastor for several years. And then uh, I was writing all of that time, but then uh, came to Lifeway uh, about seven and a half years ago. Uh, to help start the Gospel Project you mentioned earlier, and so have been back in this uh, in this place. Uh, I serve as a teaching pastor at my church. So kind of it's been a long route back to my to Middle Tennessee, and I'm living in my hometown um, again. So it's uh, it, it's been good that we have two more kids, so we've got three total, and uh, just it, it's it's been neat to see how God has uh, worked our paths together and, and brought us to the different opportunities
1: He's given us that 's awesome I would love to just kind of delve in a little more there, because one of the things that, that we talk a lot about with our uh, with our families here at Lifeline is is about um, you know releasing our kids on mission and and you know the, we, we see so many families that are that are adopting and, and bringing kids into their home. To you know, to raise them and to disciple them, but with with really a goal and a trajectory of of raising those children to release them back um, for them to. You know, for them to pour missionally and to carry the gospel into sometimes places that they've come from, or to use their story in that way. And so, as a 19-year-old who buys a one-way ticket and and, and goes to Romania to um, to relocate, I know that there's a family at home in Middle Tennessee that is a part of that journey with you as well. And would love to love for you just to talk just for a minute about um, about how your family you know, launched you into that experience and, and maybe some advice for, for families that are, that are looking to raise um, kids that have that kind of missional boldness.
2: Well, now that I am a parent, I realize that what that their faith was much larger than mine when I bought that ticket. So, um, I and I've, you know, a lot of people think, oh, that's you know, that sounds so scary. No, I mean, for me, it was I was a nineteen year old. It was an adventure. You know, I was going to go do this thing, and it was just I, I got to learn the language and the culture and all of that. But I realized just how hard it was for my parents. I was the oldest uh, of four kids, so for my parents to to uh, to let me go and do that and to not just let me go, but you know, they went over with me, um, and, and really blessed me in, in leaving and, and doing this. And so, um, I, I would say, I mean, obviously biblical foundation is the, is the, the most important thing. I, that was uh, something that, um, that they, um, uh, really poured into me for many years, not just, not just the, the years that I was a, a teenager. Um, and then the church that I had, um, I've I really had a, uh, there was a lot, there was a strong um, mission impulse in the church that was also uh, true of of my family too. And so I think having both of those things, um, and I didn't come from a ministry family. I mean, my dad was a Sunday school teacher at the time, but not, you know, he he was a, a uh, a business owner in the, in the late nineties. And so he, small business guy. So it, we were just really an ordinary family, but a very strong biblical foundation and um, the, a, a church that, that really put a priority on mission. And I, I think when I, when I look back at that time uh, there were a few things they set up well for me that led me to a place where I would make that kind of decision. One was you don't have to do what everyone else is doing. Um, I took a gap year when no one had a name for it. Hmm. So I, I graduated r- really the month before I turned eighteen. So I was seventeen when I graduated. I was a young graduate, um, and and I, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I visited different co- different colleges. I had thought about different careers that I might take, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure. And you know, a lot of a lot of people say, if you don't go to college right out of high school, you'll never go. And I mean, I had, I don't know how many people tell me that. And I remember thinking, seriously, you know, like I, I was already kind of a guy that, you know, I like to study, I like to read, I, you know, I'm I, I, an education-minded kind of person. But, but also, I, I thought if I go somewhere, I need to, you know, my, my parents also wanted me to to understand the value of education, I was going to uh, um, pay my own way. So, so I took a year off. I worked at the the family business and I did other uh, things, saving up money that year. So that year off was very formative for me. Uh, mm-hmm. When no one else was really doing a gap year at that time, uh, it wasn't it wasn't really news because no one was doing it. And but but they were like, you know, I, that's right for him. It's right for him to do this this year. And when I thought, you know, I'm going to Postpone college a year. Go in when I'm 19 instead of when I'm 18. Uh, they were for me when a lot of other voices were saying, "Don't do that." You know, you'll never go. And so, but but I but I use that as an example of to to illustrate the fact that um, they. I, I think my parents they 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 raised us with a sense of you don't you don't have to do what everyone else is doing. Mm. That you can stand mm. out. That and 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 I don't know that if I had had not had that. Um, I would have have been kind of primed to do something like like go and do mission work in foreign country um, independently. I, I don't think I, I think the fact that I had been kind of trained up with that that impulse was yeah. was already there, and it came out. And things like the gap, you don't have to go and do what everyone else is doing. You need to figure out God's will for your life and then follow it, no matter what anyone says.
1: That's awesome. And it's something else that you that you said, even you know, as you were talking about that experience, was about the um, really the biblical foundation that was that was implanted in you from your parents and from you know from your church. And I know that's something that's really been um, a well that you've continued to to draw from and to deepen over the, the the course of life, and you know, reflects in seminary studies and in the things that you've written and um, in the things that that you've been able to do in ministry. Um, you you kind of have a, uh, I, I would say uh, maybe a particular view of the word of god kind of this idea of, of the meta narrative and the big story um talk a little bit about how how that how that realization came to you about about that way to approach um the the gospel as the big story um and about how that really informs um life and ministry for you
2: well for me it start it started with biblical exposition of someone just expounding the text. So my, the pastor I grew up with and really heard preach twice a week for 10 years. So, I mean, roughly, you know, a thousand times, it was just a good solid expository preacher. Um, He's recently retired. And so, and then, and then the youth pastor that we had um, you know, you have your big youth group events and things like that, but then you also have Um, You know, a good student minister also has a group of, you know, uh, 5, 10, 12 key leaders around them too, who he's really pouring into, and we would just go through Bible books. And so I really got a taste for Bible study and seeing what's there in the text in my teenage years. But it was really about 10 years later that I, I saw that if, if I'm really going to do preaching and teaching the way, I'm, the, the way that I'm called to and that's most effective, I need to see the Bible as one overarching story, a grand narrative that it's telling the story of the world from creation all the way to new creation. Because that, um, if we don't do that, then our, our Bible studies are going to wind up being just hijacked and sort of incorporated into the worldview that people already have. So, you know, I mean, it's like some of the more famous Bible stories, if, if they're not connected to the big story of the Bible, the big story of, you know, creation and sin and redemption and all of this, then what happens is they turn into morality tales, um, or they turn into, um, oh, successful principles to have a better life, but it's the better life that you've already sort of laid out for yourself and defined for yourself rather than having your life defined by how it fits into that big story of the world that the Bible is telling. So, I think for me, it was towards the end of my time in Romania, especially, um, and, and, and coming back, I mean, the culture shock coming back from Romania was was much greater than going to Romania, mm. I think. Um, and, and much more much more difficult and challenging, because you you see your own culture with different eyes, and then mm. you're no, and you no longer feel quite at home even where you felt at home because you see it differently you, you can see it with outside eyes and so um, and for me, in preaching and teaching and, and serving in that environment, it led me to have to ask some difficult questions of what 's the best approach to Bible study? And to preaching and to communication and to just and just at my own personal study of scripture, to where i won 't be conformed to this world but will be transformed um, have my mind renewed, and I think that that grand narrative approach was was essential for me in in understanding the the worldview implications there
1: yeah that 's awesome and I, and I think that you know there there's a sense in which we have. Um, we're we're easily drawn into a, an idea and, and something that really does you know begin to shape our worldview when we're playing hopscotch all over the Bible and you know and really not looking at things in not only in their context within a book or or their context within you know within a particular story within a book but but looking at the whole you know the whole big picture and yes. and that, that many times we're we're a little bit our our sights are just a little bit low. And you know and how we how we apply that, and I think that that speaks directly to the way that we want to present the Bible to our kids and the way that we want to the way that we want to talk to our kids about the bible that they're that they're figuring out kind of this this whole grand narrative of you know god 's story of redemption and and the the move toward you know toward new creation and 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 so that man that was it's a beautiful way you know to look at that I, I think um, for us in at lifeline and and for the folks that are you know that are listening to the podcast one of the things that that's kind of a unifying theme for you know for all of us is is that idea of adoption and orphan care and and where um and and we you know we strive to be people that um that adoption and orphan care are are bigger than um you know perceived good people doing good things, right? And, and for, you know, having, and and really just doing things on a temporal plane or on a, on an earthly plane. And, and so I would just be interested to hear your thoughts about kind of where the themes of adoption and the themes of, of care, caring for orphans, like where do they fit in that, in that big narrative of scripture? And, and what is, what is God trying to you know, maybe trying to say or trying to accomplish through, um, you know, through calling his people into, you know, into these areas.
2: Well, you know, the one of the foundational truths of the Bible that you see in the very beginning chapters of the Bible and then laid out through all of scripture is that man is created in the image of God. Um, the image of God, the Imago Dei, they, that uh, we have um, inherent worth, value, and dignity because of the image of the God who, who created us that has been, been stamped upon us. And you, you can't really understand the image of God without also understanding how pervasive throughout the scriptures is this emphasis on God as our father right so you see that all throughout the bible you see that especially uh, i mean israel is is uh, the the son of god and some sees god as father but then jesus takes that up even more uh, of a level even in the way he te- is teaching us to pray uh, to god as our father and so when you begin to see god as our father you immediately orient yourself if you're if you're reading the entire narrative of scripture and you're finding yourself within this big story, you immediately orient yourself to the fact that we are sons and daughters of God. Uh, we are. And so there's a, there's a family dynamic here, right? We're brothers and sisters with others who have been reconciled to God, but we are, but he is our father. Uh, Jesus in, is our older brother um, as, as the book of Hebrews teaches. And so you have this family dynamic, but the only way that family dynamic is possible throughout scripture is through adoption God adopting us into his family Mm -hmm. Um, and adoption is taking place, of course, through the sacrifice of Jesus uh, to to make this possible. So um, the the way our sin is resolved is uh, through uh, the sacrifice of of Christ. And we are justified uh, and we are adopted into his family. We become family members, uh, children of God, brothers and sisters of each other. And so um, that fundamental orientation, that carries through from the opening chapters of Genesis to the story of redemption uh, is vitally important because when earthly adoption is a picture of heavenly adoption and -hmm. what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. And so um, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful image of one of the most fundamental realities of the universe. And so I think when we, as as Christians yes i mean we're motivated of course by compassion sometimes we're motivated by pity sometimes we're motivated by mercy uh, all sorts of motivations but deep within the 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 christian um understanding of life comes this this sense in which uh, our our work when it comes to adoption and orphan care um when god calls himself Um, you know, the the, uh, uh, father to the fatherless, you know, the one who cares for widows and orphans. We are to care for widows and orphans. What you have is we are reflecting the image of our father when we do this. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is, I mean, it's what Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount, when he says, be perfect, Uh, you know, because your heavenly father is perfect. Imitate this imitation of Christ um, that we care for widows and orphans in their distress because God is the one throughout all of the new, the old and new Testament is described as the one who cares uh, for widows and orphans and, um, and, and the fatherless. So this, this adoption is not just motivated by a sense of compassion that any normal human being would have, but mm. comes down to the very fundamental realities of the universe that we believe, uh, the fundamental tenets of the story that we tell and who we are as people
0: who have been shaped by that and adopted by God ourselves. Thanks for listening to The Defender Podcast. For more information or connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org follow us on twitter, instagram or facebook by searching for lifeline child. you can email us directly at info@lifelinechild.org. beloved, will you allow god to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. we'll see you again tomorrow for the defender podcast.